Hello, welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. My guest this week is Sherry DeClerc, who's the Assistant Dean of MBA and Graduate Programs at Michigan State University, did a, at the Broad School. Michigan State University. Did I get that all right? You did. Thanks. Well, well, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, as people who are regular couple of listeners will probably gather that uh, we have a bit of a partnership with a certain Lansing-based state college, uh, state university, and um, especially around the executive MBA program. And, and, and a couple of things I wanted to bring you on for today is because of the challenging times that we're in, uh, I want to talk about what the value is these days of enrolling in an MBA program. So I know there's going to be bias in the answer, but I, I always try and start when I've got a new guest on with just give me the 30 second bio, your history. How do you get to where you are today? Yeah, actually, I have a, a kind of a checkered path to get to it, not in a bad way, but certainly didn't intend when I was doing my undergrad in hotel restaurant management to become an assistant dean in the college. But um, I've been working in higher ed for the last 15, 20 years of my career, and it's really been great because it gives me an opportunity to really provide access to students to be able to gain knowledge, gain networks, gain business acumen, and advance their careers. So I've um, been working at Michigan State for 12 years now um, and connected with the executive MBA program, as you said, but also relating to some of our other master's programs in the college. Okay. So, and you pretty much lead the team that manages the executive MBA program, which is about a hundred uh, executives every, they go through a 20 month program and mm -hmm. we kick off a new one every year. Uh, it's, you're still getting those kind of numbers. So uh, from your perspective, why should a mid-level leader be thinking of investing in an MBA these days? Yeah, so I think, um, like to talk about it, I think you were thinking as well in two perspectives, one in general these days, and then we can talk specifically about in COVID days um, as, as maybe a slightly different iteration of that. But what we find still is that graduate education in business and certainly an MBA is still perceived as a great credential for providing students with broad business knowledge, right? So specialty master's degrees obviously um, are intended, sorry for the We'll be seeing my cat soon, I'm sure. Um, but in, intended for people to really be able to gain business acumen and also develop networks in, the, in a variety of industries that can help inform what they do. And so those um, standards are always really an important aspect of graduate business education. And we find that um, it really helps people to know how to do things more effectively and, and efficiently, whether they're in a for-profit business or a non-for-profit, right? Often we get people coming in from other organizations that are like, my goal isn't to make money necessarily, but but still, are there ways to do what you're doing more effectively so that you can have a bigger impact on whatever that mission is? So it's really about breadth, if you like. So I may have been an engineer all my life, but now I'm the engineering manager or an engineering director or whatever it may be. And so that breadth of that spread across all of business is what exposes me to my broader reality. Right. And, and certainly when you, if you take that as an example, right, I'm an engineer and I'm really good at being an engineer. And so they put me in charge of managing people and budgets. And I had no training on that in my engineering degree. So now I'm a smart person 
and I'm good, but I'm a bit out of my element in terms of making sure I know um, what are the best practices and what are the, the theories behind that. So the MBA and, and really other graduate degrees also are designed really to help people to transition into those leadership roles in organizations. And you said you want to answer in two parts. I'll get to the COVID bit later on, but I, what kind of people are you seeing sign up for an MBA, uh, executive MBA these days? So for our, you know, we think about our programs really in a couple of different buckets, right? One is the traditional MBA. Those folks tend to be a little bit younger and a little bit less experienced and still are trying to gain those credentials and skill sets along the way. And then the executive MBA, which in our case is really designed for middle management and up, right? So everyone doesn't have to be an exec coming in. Um, they don't necessarily have to ex aspire to be the C-suite, you know, person of a huge multinational organization. But again, people coming in really looking to develop their knowledge, to build their network, and to gain skills. Um, we find that they really are able to make bigger, broader, more impactful decisions in their organizations at whatever levels they're in. And, and through the work with you, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about how do you lead from where you are and influence people on, on moving things in the right direction, even if you're not in the, in the highest levels of the organization. So that's one uh, these are people in a kind of mid-career, five, ten years experience doing the work, probably found themselves in a leadership role who are looking to either set themselves up for the next step or to backfill uh, the kind of logic behind what they've experienced. Yeah, exactly. And we find that, you know, the outcomes are really strong for, in, on average, 45% of our students in this program receive a promotion, either in their own organization or elsewhere. Um, we see, based on Financial Times salary data, an average of about 55% increase in salary three years after the program. And so there's some strong tactical, you know, things you can kind of put your hand on, but there also is really a few things that I think people don't necessarily think of when they come in, but it's again, more satisfaction in the roles, right? Being able to, to actually um, help make those big decisions that are driving organizations and to be able to have that bigger impact um, for entrepreneurs, being able to actually grow their business in a way that is systematic and makes sense. Um, and the other big one is confidence, right? A lot of times people are, you know, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. And so having, in, in particular aspects, I mean, certainly they know their core function, but having the confidence to be able to speak up at the table and have a seat at the table is, is really important. And to, to realize that they're capable of sitting at that table with, with other people of a like mind uh, and, and in that similar position and etc. Because you sit them down on day one and say, this is your team for the next 20 months. Right, right, for sure. And you know, we have some really fun stories. I know one of our alums was in HR, did the program, was sitting in a, involved in a staff meeting, and they were talking about a merger um, or an acquisition in their company. And she started talking about some things she'd learned from the mergers and acquisitions class about intangible assets and that kind of thing. And, you know, she said people started kind of looking like, wait, what is she, how is she talking about this? It's not her wheelhouse. Um, and yet her comments were completely on point and hadn't been brought up by the, the finance kinds mm -hmm. of individuals, which quickly pulled her onto the team to help lead this um, piece, right? So just this ability to expand where you're impacting, I think has been really a rewarding piece for many of our alums and students. So it's an exposure and thinking and, uh, again, broadens their perspective on, on business. Absolutely. So now I don't just want this to be an advert for MSU. Of course, you right. probably do. But uh, I know you're heavily involved in the broader executive MBA university community, kind of globally. Sure. What, uh, what trends are you seeing with your partners in that world? 
So I am on the Executive MBA International Council, and it's great because I have the opportunity to interact regularly with, you know, big schools like um, London Business School and Seeds Out of China and HEC in Paris. And so it really is a very um, global community where we get together to talk about best practices and what are we seeing. And um, generally speaking, what we're finding is that there is still a strong need and a demand for people, particularly people who've been out of school for a while to be able to come back. And, and one of the things that's great about that community, regardless of, of which school you attend, um, is that ability to bounce, to learn from not just the great faculty at, at our schools, but also from each other, right? So having those networks of people where um, maybe one completely different industries, really that diversity of opinion has been just a really rewarding part of our program. And we find that people that come back to an executive MBA type program or other, you know, MS programs later in their career have a very different um, approach to the learning, right? They really are doing it not because mom and dad said, you know, it'd be a good thing to have a degree, but because they actually realize that they have gaps in their skill sets that they that they could benefit from the knowledge. So that's a rewarding experience both for faculty and also for the other students in the program. So that, I mean that's interesting that kind of cross-section of learning for somebody who's in the mid-level and you also get people who are senior folks that are like I say backfilling their experience and you find that they're learning too. Right so, oh for sure so, yeah. And that, that demand for the breadth that uh, you, I mean, there's still a lot of people looking for that general kind of business leadership degree at, at this level. There really is. And I know there's been a lot of talk about whether, you know, kind of the the relevance and the validity of an MBA program. But uh, what we find, at least for, for the, the strong schools that are doing a good job, is that there is going to continue to be this need for people to have the broad knowledge um, to be able to get their skill sets updated with some of the current trends but still to have those trends not just trends right trends that are based on um, tied back into the research and the and the kinds of information and insights that you get really from established research kind of tried and true principles and so um, there's a lot of fads going on out there and through an MBA program from a from a credible institution you really get the foundation the basis for why do we talk about these things and why do they matter. So I'm going to build on that and link into another question because if, if I get my MBA and uh, you're saying hey I've got all the current trends and then I'm five years out uh, what what kind of things are going on for people who once they've got their MBA to make sure that they keep on on top of the current trends and keep learning? Yeah, of course, it varies from school to school, but generally speaking, there's a lot of executive education opportunities where you can plug back in. And most of the schools are also building, they continue to engage with that alumni base. And so, right. for example, in our case, we have something we call Recharge Your MBA, which brings our alums and our current students together to hear from some of their favorite faculty in kind of small bits and pieces. Um, certainly, you know, there's executive education, certificates, there's a lot of different pieces coming together. But the other piece is that just building that network in a really solid way provides you with resources and people that you can call, you know, three years from now, seven years from now, um, when you're looking at a problem that maybe you haven't, didn't have when you were in the program, but now you're looking for a solution or some insights. And so you can reach out to those individuals who you've built really strong relationships with yep. and get, you know, kind of risk-free, um, candid insights. Yeah, I think that it's interesting you mentioned the network and the alum network. Um, I was at a, a client this last week where a 2018 Michigan State Ember grad 
was telling me that when working with his boss, who's a 2016 Michigan State Ember grad, they'd hired another 2018 Michigan State Ember grad uh, <laughs> into that organization. So this this network is kind of feels like, hey, we if we don't know the other person, we probably know somebody who knows them because of the that alumni network that you're building. Yeah, and I think you know certainly different different colleges and schools have different cultures, right? Like any organization does. And so if, if people are looking at it, it's important to look at what is the the culture of the program that you want to be a, a part of in that community. And and certainly at Broad, we're very much focused on collaborative teamwork. How do we work together to get the best results and outcomes? Uh, I, probably one of the reasons that we align closely with you because our philosophies are are quite similar. Um, but but you know there's um, there certainly are other ways of approaching leadership, right? And so. Um, not to say that our programs are right for everyone. Yeah, I'm not saying that one of the examples in our latest book, What Great Teams Do Great, is Michigan State, but it could well be Michigan State. Yeah, it? it could be. <laughs> so, you know, things are changing at such a rapid pace at the moment. What are executive MBAs doing to keep up with that dramatic, rapid change? What kind of things are you doing to accommodate that um, Yeah, so let me answer that in a couple of ways. One thing is in terms of... Um, in general, what's happening in the space. And that is that there is a lot of conversation and a lot of um, interest in making sure that we meet students where they are, right? So this isn't just at Michigan State, but in general, this idea of how do you build those networks and have that collaboration that happens in a way that's convenient for people whose schedules are tight, you know, who can't necessarily get to campus on a regular basis. And so in our case, our, we've had two traditional MBA options. One is the full-time, which essentially is you know, stop working and immerse yourself into the full-time education on campus. Great option for some people, um, not feasible for others, right? And then our traditional executive MBA has been this every other weekend, you know, Friday evening, Saturday format. And again, great for building relationships, great for networking. And the students that have gone through that really value the consistency of that cadence and the ability to see each other face-to-face each and every weekend, both for holding themselves accountable for work and for the relationships, but also for for just the um, consistency of working through the process. And it's worked great for us. And yet um, we're recognizing in our, me personally in our school and in general, that there is also um, a place for online, right? And so people are being more and more comfortable. There are some ways to do online learning in a really strong way. And so really starting to explore in our case, but in many cases, right, how to incorporate online or virtual learning in a way that doesn't, that still holds your values and, and allows you to deliver the, the, the value proposition that you have for your school. Right. I, I mean, you've even added a kind of hybrid version. Yeah, so for, for this year, um, we took the, uh, you know, kind of never waste a crisis. We took the opportunity of COVID to say, how can we pivot in our own delivery of what we're doing and provide something that maybe is more flexible for people, given the amount of um, kind of uncertainty that they have in their own lives. And so we created um, this summer and launched this fall an Emba Flex. And in that program, students are coming essentially once a month. Sorry, while I grab my cat off of the board. <laughs> Your cat's an additional guest. Yeah, Sophie, would you like to have some insight into what's going on here? Well, it looks like she's got green eyes, so that's the <laughs> she's wearing the right uniform. She she usually ignores me until I get on the computer and then likes to lay on the keyboard. Particularly, I'm not sure how she's done it, where she's consistently like adding like random keystrokes into things. So, 
but but we you know the, the flex program was really designed to provide something that was more um, convenient and flexible for individuals and yet still you know all along as we developed it it's like how do we ensure that the relationships are there how do we make sure that we build the quality of our education and so um, we're excited about that it's um, been met with pretty strong response from mm -hmm. individuals and and again, we continue to think about how do we make sure they still build the connections? How do they stay tight? And you know, we meant we did the orientation with your team, and and that was fully virtual, and that was a first time for all of us. You know, same <laughs> concerns like how do people connect and build those relationships? And yet, you know, through the through the collaboration with you guys, I think that went really, really well. Well, yeah, Corey and I spoke about it a couple of episodes ago because you know we had to pivot something that we've been you know, improving for 20 years uh, online and, and some of the best practices that we learned from doing that too, which was, was a fascinating experience. And, and so that gets me to the COVID piece. What else are you doing to make sure that this continues to be high value for people during COVID? Yeah, so we, you know, the curriculum, the change in the actual program itself has been one thing. Faculty also are being very mindful about how do they make sure that the examples and the things they're doing in the classroom are relevant to today, right? And so, for example, um, we had a an opportunity to flip the sequencing of our courses and moved a critical thinking for innovation course into the May timeframe, right? Because we thought, students could really use this knowledge around how do you think about things differently as, as a way of influencing what's going on in their own organizations and right. potentially their own personal lives, right? So that's an example. Um, faculty are also really taking the time to say, you know, what are the cases that are using and how do we bring the real world into the classroom to provide some insights and some knowledge that really helps students to, to, to not only learn, but learn in ways that they can have a, an impact today. Right. So it's, it's really keeping it at the cutting edge. To, we're talking about what's happening real time because your faculty are actually re researching how to do that best yeah. anyway. What, yeah. what, just, I know we're kind of coming to the end, but I want to just mention two other things that I found really interesting. And one is, you know, in terms of why do it now, um, employers, we're finding that employers are getting more and more people retiring, right? So people that have been on the fringe of retirement saying, you know what, I'm out. <laughs> and so there's a need for more middle and upper management people to be brought into organizations. So, and so I think that is one reason that now is a, a particularly good time. The other thing is that we've had students literally say to us, you know, this program has been my rock. So it is something that people can do that they can, you know, it's something they've been thinking about, they can actually do it, feel like they've got some kind of control in taking a positive step in a time that has a lot of uncertainty for many of us. So. Right, so- There's free um, time, right? You can't travel, you can't do as many social things, you might as well <laughs> study and get a degree. And that rock is built on the team and the alums and the connections that they're making. Uh, real time in the session as well. I, I'm, one of the things I always start with is let's help you build your personal board of directors. And many of those people are going to be in the room on day one. You just don't know it yet because you're right. going to get to know them. So, so then um, my last question then is um, if you've piqued somebody's interest other than go to Michigan State and find that out, what should people be looking for when they're choosing a degree like this? If I'm a mid-level manager, what kind of things should I be weighing up as I look at the or the competitive marketplace that there is. Sure, and there are many options out there, definitely. And, and one program doesn't fit all people's needs. But I'd say, um, number one, think about why do you want to do it? And, and what's the structure that will work for yourself? So again, like, do you, is, is it appropriate for you to quit your job and go to school? If you're doing a huge pivot from you know, one thing to something totally different, I, it might really be the smartest and best thing you can do to actually walk away from your job and enroll in a program that gives you the internship and the, and the deep dive. 
Um, culture, again, one of the things I mentioned earlier, but it is, it's different for, for different um, individuals. Certainly price points are different across the different executive and working professionals programs. And then this idea that there's a difference between an MBA and, a, and an MS degree, we call them specialty masters. So do you want a deeper dive into supply chain management or business analytics, or are you really trying to position yourself for this broader knowledge base of an MBA? Right. So those, those are the, the right. I appreciate that because there's lots of options out there and you're just giving people, hey, take a look at these things and see which one best fits for you. And, for and sure. you know, that's, that's, there's, there's something for everybody, if you like. Yeah, and, and talk to the schools, right? I mean, certainly they'll they'll be able. Each one is going to be selling on what they offer, but I think most um, most of us are really interested in making sure it's a good fit, right? So helping people to understand the nuances of the different programs, and then um, providing a pathway for an individual to say, "That's what I'm looking for. I think that fits me, and it will help me achieve my goals." Thanks. Well, I missed it in the intro, but Dr. Sherry DeClerc, thank you very much for uh, being with us this afternoon and uh, and spending some time talking about why we should and what we should do if we're looking to, to continue business education and uh, go green. And go white. <laughs> Thanks, Sherry. Thank you. You've been listening to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley. And we're brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available now at all good bookstores. Thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music. Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, until next time we meet, stay healthy.